So, hello, Graham, and welcome to our first episode of Be Prepared and Have the Knowledge. Thank you. <laughs> I think I screwed up that whole intro. Can we start that Just again? a bit. Yeah, yeah, so it's like, and welcome, Fiona, to the first inaugural recording session of the Have the Knowledge, Be Prepared podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about cooking at camp. So what is your fondest memory about cooking at camp? Cooking at camp? Well, I remember one time I had a birthday out in the middle of nowhere because we were on a camping trip and we were doing canoes and portages. And I, because my birthday's in the middle of the summer, and so... They actually managed to make me a chocolate birthday cake. Oh, I remember that cake. That was a good one. Yeah, and it was actually good, even though it was basically cooked over a campfire, and you wrap it all up, and you put it in the flames, and yeah, that was a very good cake, considering the rest of the day was not so good, because I had leeches on me for my birthday, and I was like, who wants leeches? But then the benefit was I had chocolate cake in the middle of nowhere. That was good. Yeah. Uh, I remember the ending to that where by the time we were finishing dinner and eating the cake, all the mosquitoes had descended. So we had to eat the cake as quickly as possible and then dive into our tents to avoid the mosquitoes. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that now. Um, Well, what about you? What's your fondest memory of cooking at camp? I like the time when I was in Cubs. So I was in about grade four and we had just finished a weekend camp. So this was Sunday morning. We're coming out, and I hear some rustling going on in the kitchen. Now, normally in Cubs, the Cubs don't participate that much in the cooking because you're at the age where you could easily burn yourself because the stovetops are really close to your chest neck level, and it's difficult to cook there. But I remember hearing the rustling happening very early in the morning. So being curious and the only one awake in my tent, I get out and go. And I see my leader, Debbie, she's there in the kitchen. She's cooking something that smells really similar to grilled cheese. So I go there and I ask her what she's cooking. And she says, oh, I'm making a grilled PB&J. So for those uninitiated, you make a peanut butter and jam sandwich. And then you coat the outside in butter or margarine like you would normally do for grilled cheese. And then you fry it in a frying pan like grilled cheese. It is exceptionally good to have early in the morning because it's sweet it's got your peanut butter it's warm and the only downside is is the molten jam could burn your tongue yeah yes the molten jam issue well do you know the next level of that so that was cooked in a frying pan right yeah that was cooked in a frying pan at like seven o'clock in the morning on a sunday well, it doesn't matter delicious. what time. You can always have PB&J sandwiches or a grilled sandwich, or in the UK, they call them toasties. You can always have that any time of day, or night, or morning, or midnight snacks. But what you do is the next level of that is they're called hobo pies. And you get these um, cast iron grills um, that sandwich your two breads together. So it looks like a big jaws of life pliers. And at the end, there's a square or a circle. Squares are easier for bread. So, so you like put a your... waffle iron for campfires. Yeah, with a long, on a long hot dog stick. Okay. And then you put your bread in uh, on the bottom. Then what you can do is you can upgrade it. So instead of peanut butter and jam or cheese or ham sandwiches or anything like that, you can put in pie, pie filling. So you can have blueberry. One of our favorites are cherry pie fillings. And so you get chunks of cherries plus the pie filling. You can even do a little bit of drizzle of chocolate. And then you put your bread back on top of that. 
it's a good idea to butter the outside of the bread so then it, it comes off easier. And then you stick, you close it, you clamp it shut, and then you stick it into the um, embers of a fire, so you get that radiant heat around it. Oh, that so that would be, nice. yeah, that that's one for the campfire. So it's like taking the grilled cheese from the frying pan and putting it in the fire, and now you got this again big oozy molten sweet mess to eat with a crispy outside. Oh, that sounds delicious, but time-consuming. Not too, too kind-consuming. It's about the same as if you were to do it on a frying pan. The only thing is, with a frying pan, you can actually see the doneness, right? Yeah. And this one, you sort of got to follow your gut. So it's more than a marshmallow, but not as big as like a hobo pie where you're cooking meat. Okay, so you're trying to just not cook it to the point of almost burnt, but not actually burning it. Correct, because you want crisp, not because you don't want soggy. Otherwise, it will flap everywhere, and it yeah. Yeah, that reminded me of another time we made desserts over the fire. Well, you have your traditional spore, s'mores, but what we made were called drop cakes. So you take a cast iron Dutch oven. So this is a big cast iron pot with a big heavy lid, and what you do is you make cake in it and it's called drop cake because you just drop in your ingredients you drop in a can of in this case we had uh peaches so you take a can of peaches you drop that in and then you drop in half a cup of sugar you drop in the cake mix and then you repeat that so you do another layer of cherry uh not cherries peaches sugar and cake mix you don't stir it at all you just leave it in layers and then you put it in the embers put the lid on and then you put some more embers on the lid because it has a little rim to hold them in and you cook that for about an hour to two hours depending on how productive your coals are and how hot they are and it comes out a little crispy on the edges so that's why you have the peaches on the bottom so the downside is is you have burnt peaches to the bottom of your dutch oven but the upside is you have this really hot well-cooked peach cake or it's more like a cobbler by the time you actually spoon it out and it falls apart. But you don't really care at camp because it's just like mm, yummy cake and peaches and it's warm and you're just shoveling it into your mouth. Oh, that sounds good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In a few weekends, I have to go. Uh, I'm going to go camping and we're going to co cook over a Dutch oven sort of style again. That we'll probably, probably make a stew or a stew. Because we're not really have time for desserts, but I could eat. You could probably eat that for breakfast if you needed a sweet breakfast cake, right? Instead of, but this time you could add if you were going to do, you could add a bit of coffee, a bit of cinnamon in the, into the cake batter. You can, part. yeah, you can. The only downside to drop cakes is you need a very good fire for coals, and it takes again like an hour to two hours to cook, depending on how hot your fire is. So, if you cook it the night before, sure, you could have coffee cake in the morning, but. At camp in the morning, you're going to want something quick to eat, right? Like maybe eggs and cereal. Not cereal, but eggs. Usually eggs at camp. Yeah, I like eggs too. Oh, that reminds me of a funny story. The youth the um, at the J4E camp, they accidentally made, as they dubbed it, and here are my little air quotes, um, egg soup. Egg and soup. Egg soup. This is what okay. they called it. Because what happened is, I don't know, we've taught them how to boil eggs. We've gone through it a couple of times. But obviously the pressure was too much for them. Because at J4E, they're all alone, right? And here they were cooking all alone without the leaders. And they 
they managed to make egg soup. So we went through it after in the review process. So they put in the water was not quite simmering. They said there were might be a few. There might have been a few bubbles. They dropped the eggs in. Honestly, hard-boiled eggs doesn't matter if you go before or after. And I said, did you crack the eggs when you dropped them? And they were like, yeah, maybe. Aha. So it could have gone through. So they were trying to make hard-boiled eggs and it leaked. And it leaked. But the other fact is they kept it going and going. But I don't think that they ever got it to get to a good roaring bubble, which are the high temperatures, which which solidifies the liquidness of the egg, right? And connects and forms that protein bond which solidifies everything and holds it together so then you can actually eat your hard-boiled egg instead of drinking it so when they went to go crack the egg it was still liquid inside and so they cracked Uh it they they tested it not in a bowl which would be the logical thing they cracked the egg and tested it over the slightly warm water which they had used for cooking and so the (laughs) liquid egg had dropped into that warm water (laughs) Oh, lovely. And so they just kept cooking it. Yes, they did. (laughs) I don't know what they did with it afterwards, but thank goodness I had my own food. I mean, you get the eggs into you. (laughs) That that counts, right? Uh, Yeah, I suppose that does count, yes. (laughs) Anyway, Graham, uh, it's getting that time of day again where we have to go think about what we're going to go cook for dinner, right? Mm -hmm. We... Luckily, we're in our warm home, so we don't have to go outside and cook and start our fires or anything. Otherwise, we'd be way too late in the day because it's going on 4 o'clock to begin our fires. But luckily, we have stoves and ovens. So I'm going to say goodbye, Graham, and thank you. You're welcome, and have a good day. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. See you later. Bye. Bye.